0: welcome to episode two a special holiday edition of the book cougars two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read hello this is emily and this is chris thanks for coming back for episode two everybody We appreciate it. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what makes this a special holiday episode? Well, today what we're going to do, instead of doing all of our segments like we told you about in the last episode, which was our first episode, uh, today we're going to talk about our favorite reads of 2016 and then offer some bookish holiday gift ideas. So what we're going to do is we each chose 10 books. Ten of our favorite reads of 2016. Right. They're
1: not necessarily books that were published in 2016, but books that we read in 2016. 2016,
0: And, you know, I actually have a, quite a few that were published in 2016, which is odd for me, but it's mm. been a really great reading year. Good, so. good. It's funny, I have to say,
1: I track my reading on... Um, Goodreads mm-hmm. reading challenge, and I ironically met my 52-book challenge last night. Nice. Congrats. When I closed the mm-hmm. cover of the Amy Schumer, um, uh, what was it called? Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo, Amy Schumer's memoir-ish. It's not really a memoir. Kind of a memoir. Anyway, uh, it was fun. To, it was like a walking down um, memory lane to look at the 52 books that I read over the course of 2016. Nice. And... Um, some of sometimes it was surprising that I thought, oh, didn't I read that book in twenty fifteen? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so yeah, a little that, walk down memory lane.
0: Yeah, good reads is interesting that way because yeah. there are sometimes books that I I thought I'd read much longer ago than I did, and and vice versa. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So yeah, my my books, I have 10 books. Emily has 10 books. I didn't put mine in any order of this is my absolute favorite and kind of actually went through my Goodreads list too.
1: Yeah, I didn't do an order either. Mm -hmm. So I, I just have them listed as the 10. I didn't alphabetize them or put them in from top to, you know, I didn't do any of that. I did find that it was hard to pick 10. It really was. Yeah, Yeah, it was
0: for me too. It was a really good reading year. It's one of my best, I guess one of my, yeah, one of my best reading years in a while, it seems. Oh, that's great! Even so. though 2016 sucked in a lot of other ways, um. <laughs> see a lot of people said that. I hate to be you know self-indulgent.
1: It's actually been a very good year for me personally. Right? Yeah. Um, moving here has been great, and it's um, you know there's been a lot of new interesting things in my life. But um, but I know a yeah. lot of people have oh, would the, like to kiss this year goodbye. Yes. So.
0: Yeah. It's it's been a good year for me too. I sadly, well, I happily can't yeah. complain. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So a uh, top tens. You want to. Start, Well, we'll just go back and forth. Should go back and forth, yeah. sure. Okay, so my number
1: one, um, again, not number one favorite, but just number one on my top ten list is called The Nix, N-I-X. It's by Nathan Hill. Um, this has been talked about. As a matter of fact, I was a little worried about reading it because I worry about overhype, but I really enjoyed it. It's 628 pages. For me to read a book that big, it has to be good mm-hmm. for me. It's a mother-son tale, and it's pretty much an epic tale, and I just loved
0: it. Nice. All right. My uh, first book on the list is, it's a nonfiction. It's categorized as YA, but it's, it's good reading for adults as well. It's Woman Heroes of World War II, the Pacific Theater by Catherine J. Atwood. And I really enjoyed the book. It's a short biographies of 15 women who were involved in World War II in some capacity. Uh, I've read Atwood's um, other books, She has one on World War II that focused more on the European war theater. Uh, But this is women from China, the Philippines, Singapore, Dutch East Indies, uh, Japan, specifically Iwo Jima and Okinawa, and, and what they did, who these women were, how they got embroiled in the war effort, some willingly, some not so much. And, you know, really good tales of survival and espionage, and wow. I enjoyed it very much. So great recommendation uh, for folks who are looking for books to commemorate Pearl Harbor. Because okay. actually, well, today's December 6th we're recording, and tomorrow, December 7th, is the 75th anniversary of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Oh, wow. So wow. this if you're looking for reading <clears throat> uh, or anything for your classroom or to help educate your kids about that time period, this would be a great book.
1: I also like reading YA history books. They're right at my level.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> they're, you know, they explain it with not too much extra detail. Exactly. I like it yeah.
0: a lot. So a it's just idea. good stories. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. one thing I like about YA books, be mm-hmm. they fiction or nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Usually they're just really good stories yeah. without agreed. a lot of extra baggage. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. That's a great pick. My second book is a book called The Door
1: by Magda Szabo, S-Z-A-B-O. This is a really interesting book. I read it with my one and only book club that I'm still a part of. It's a quarterly book club that's comprised of people that I met via Booktopia, which we talked about in the first episode. This is a book that was first published in 1987. Magda Szabo is a Hungarian writer. Unfortunately, she died in 2007. And um, there's this publishing arm called the New York Review Books Classics. And they've started to republish books. Stoner is a book that they republished that was, I think, All the Rage last year, yeah. maybe, or the year before, I can't remember. And this is another um, book in that kind of series of books that they're republishing. So it was republished in 2015. It's a book where it seems like not much happens, but it's unbelievably Incredibly rich in what does happen. I don't really want to talk too much about it because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, I will tell you that um, the author Lauren Groff, who recently reviewed another book by Zabo, who's been that's but just been republished said that when she read The Door, she'll paraphrase Emily Dickinson by saying it made her feel like the top of her head had been taken off. Wow. (laughs) And that's really how you feel about this book. It's an incredible, incredible read. And one, again, talking about book clubs, I don't think I would have ever picked it up if my book club wasn't reading it, so I'm very glad I did.
0: Yeah, yay book
1: clubs. Yes, Um. indeed.
0: All right, my next book is a novel, Laura, is the title, by Vera Caspary. It was originally published in 1942. Actually, it was serialized first in 1942 in Collier's Magazine and published in book form in 1943 and a very famous movie based on the book came out in 1944 it's a great book it's a nice noir suspense novel laura is a a young woman at the beginning and she's mentored by this man named waldo Lidecker, who's a great character he is in the book he's very fat he's apparently wealthy and a writer he has very high taste very persnickety and he takes Laura on and mentors her, and and she becomes a, a marketing guru, advertising guru, I guess you should say, cream of the crop, New York City in the forties, and she's found dead. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember the details, but I know Caspery was either motivated by Wilkie Collins The Moonstone or mm-hmm. challenged to write something in that vein. I'm not really sure. So the novel is written in a, a series of first-person descriptions by various characters of what's going on. So you have Waldo Lidecker, you have the detective, uh, you have other characters talking about what's going on, which is how The Moonstone was written as well. So it's a great book and a great movie as well.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. I like books and movies going together. Mm -hmm. So my third book is an unusual book to appear on my top ten for a year because I have suddenly this year become very interested in poetry
0: Interesting. I don't know Mm -hmm. if
1: it's something about sitting at a window and looking out at the water. I'm very much more in touch with my environment and looking at the trees and the birds. And so I got out Mary Oliver's Book of Poems, Felicity, and was in bed one morning and started it and couldn't stop reading. I read it from cover to cover, which any poets out there would probably scoff at and say that is not the way to appreciate poetry. (laughs) But I did appreciate it that way, and um, I just love Mary Oliver. She has a new book of essays out, which I have not read. Um, I'm sure they're fantastic. And um, if anyone would like to send me a holiday gift, I would love to receive that book.
0: <laughs> Rachel and Jacob, are you listening? <laughs> nice. All right, my next book on the list is a novel called Homegoing by Yagi Yasi, I believe is how you pronounce her name. This just came out this year, and it's a very powerful story. This is her first novel, and I, I think for her first novel, it really blew me away. It's the story of two sisters, two half-sisters actually in Ghana in the 1700s, who are one, one sister becomes, they never meet, they don't know about each other, but one sister marries or is married to the white governor. Mm-hmm. He's the governor of the white palace that where the slaves are taken and put in the dungeon before they're taken on the ships. The other sister ends up, being a captured person and is enslaved and is in the bottom of that castle while the other sister is living in privilege. That, that first sister, uh, the, I should say, the sister who was um, in the cellar is taken off to America. So that at that point, the story breaks into following different ancestors of both of these women through the, through the ages, some going on in Ghana, some in the United States, and they eventually weave back together. So it's it's a powerful story. It's a great look at American history and how African Americans have fared and survived in different part in different time periods and different places and in America, How I, I have a,
1: a homegoing sob story, which is I was about a third of the way through it on my e-reader when it disappeared off my e-reader because it was due back Aww. and I wasn't paying attention. And and then I think I got in. I heard about it early in the game before mm-hmm. it was getting a lot of rave reviews. And so then when I went back to put it on hold again, it, I was you know number three hundred and fifty-two yeah. or something. So
0: yeah, I've been waiting <laughs>
1: six months to
0: get it back. I still haven't. So I I took it out of the library and checked the hardcover out Mm -hmm. and I did I actually put in the request for it the day that I saw Book Pages magazine Mm -hmm. the freebie and it was in there it was like the librarian put that magazine down and I'd pick one up and put it on hold right away so I kind of got lucky in that regard yeah I need to get it back I was really enjoying it at the time so
1: Um, number four for me I cheated I put two books I'm already a cheater (laughs) Um, there are two memoirs one is called Keeping the Feast by Paula Buterini this is a, a book that was published a long time ago, and it's a book, Chris, that I got when you and I went to, is it the Book Barn, the place with um, and like 10 different buildings? Yeah, yeah, yeah the Book Barn. Um, I am a sucker for anything food-related in the book world and food memoirs I particularly like. I like fiction with food in it as well. And so this is a story, Paula Buderini is a journalist, and her husband was also a journalist, and he was a journalist in a war-torn country and suffered a severe injury because he was shot Mm. and pretty much left for dead. And so um the story involves their love of Italy which I believe is where they first met and they go back to Italy and they he recovers and they you know kind of um just bring him back to life really through food and friends and and love. Um and then the other book that I snuck in here under memoir is <laughs> When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Calam Callan I think is how you say his name. And um this is a very very sad memoir about a doctor who discovers that he has cancer, and he had always wanted to be a writer. And so while he is suffering from cancer, he starts to write his memoir, and throughout the course of it, he comes to realize that he's not going to survive. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautifully written book, and he's young. I want to say he was in his 30s, and so it's just, of course, tragic as well. Um, so, Keeping the Feast, Paula Buterini and When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Calamity. Yeah. Uh,
0: my next book on the list is another novel. It's uh, The title is Shelter, and the author is Jung Yun, I believe is how she pronounces her name. She was a Booktopia author this year. And Shelter is her first novel. It is the story of uh, mainly a, a guy, um, Kyung is his name, he's a 30-ish, I think he's actually 36, he's a bio professor, he's in. A, he's married to a woman uh, he he's korean or korean-american he's married to a woman who's irish and his parents are living in the same town successful wealthy father's a professor and does his research has made millions for the university and they're very successful and kyung and his wife have been living on credit cards and refinancing their home for you know too many times and they're at the point now where they're struggling in debt to make ends meet and realize they can't even sell their house because they are written, they owe something like a hundred thousand on it I, I shouldn't say too much about this it, it was a surprising book i i don't know if i would have picked it up had it not been a booktopia mm. author i have to say like i think it's one of my favorite books of the year I, I, well duh this right. is our favorite book it's like, definitely in your top if, 10 <laughs> if i had to pick one book this one would be Wow, probably the the favorite of the year, I think, because wow. um, it's it's about family conflict between the generations. It's about what happens when tragedy strikes. What happens to the people who face horrific trauma? How their family deals with it? How they deal with it? How people just self sabotage the hell out of themselves sometimes Mm, Uh, because Kyung's not a very likable guy you know you (laughs) want to like him sometimes and he just keeps making these horrendous decisions and it's like Mm. oh you just want to smack him upside the head but at the same time at least I related to him sometimes Uh, and not that I think you need to have characters that are likable at all I'm Mm -hmm. not on that wagon Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the novel itself it's just really well written I didn't expect it to be part mystery thriller oh. as it is I, I thought it was going to be more literary fiction uh, so i would highly recommend this for people who like literary fiction mystery thrillers suspense that, that was right your kind of book right oh there. totally yeah. yeah yeah i really loved it and i didn't get to i saw um young when she did the last event you know the big event when all the authors come together at Booktopia and they have like a five or ten minute time to talk I didn't attend the session of hers that I wanted to attend and I actually didn't read this book until after Booktopia and uh, I saw her at one point we made eye contact and kind of like smiled at each other but I was on my cell phone out front Uh, so now I kind of kick myself that I didn't have the book read beforehand or attend her session because I would have loved to have you know the intimacy of an event with sure. her. so do you did you say this was a debut? Yes, it's her debut novel. So she just keep... came out this year 2016. So let's keep our eyes on her maybe, yeah. maybe she'll pop up again with another book and yeah we hopefully can go to she will. She is she just took a new job. She's a assistant professor of English at Georgetown now oh, okay. before she'd been teaching somewhere in Massachusetts, I believe. So somewhat local. Yeah, very cool. Um, my fifth book is a book that, ironically, a friend of
1: mine gave me right after I moved here. And it has a beautiful cover, and I set it on my shelf in a, in a spot where I could see it every day I looked at it. But I'd never picked it up until the day I picked it up mm. and then read it cover to uh-huh. cover. And it's called A Gift from the Sea. It's by Anne Morrow Lindbergh. Um, it's another memoir. Yeah. She is the Anne Morrow Lindbergh of the Lindbergh fame, you know the one unfortunately where her baby was stolen and, and left for dead um, but she this book is about a time where she goes and has a period of time by the sea by herself and she's a, a mother and has a busy life and so it's partly her just appreciating nature and appreciating life. And she talks a lot about marriage and raising children. Um, I wish I could read you some passages. It's the first book I can remember, maybe ever, actually, that wasn't a textbook, that I took a pen out, wrote all over it, (laughs) dog-eared it. I mean, it just really spoke to me. And recently, I lent it to a friend, which... I'm a little nervous about now because I'm <laughs> desperate to get it back. It's, it's one of those books that I feel like those passages that I marked up, I want to read every mm-hmm. once in a while. Um, it would make a really beautiful gift as well because um, it's been republished so many times with different introductions and different covers, the cover for mine is really beautiful. And interestingly, the introduction in mine was written by her daughter, who is now probably in her 60s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So um, So that was a really beautiful part of it also. So A Gift from the Sea, and Marrow Lindbergh.
0: Yeah, that I read that years ago, and I loved it. I couldn't uh, tell you many details about it, but I remember really loving it. And I have a friend who collects various editions of it. Oh, wow. Hi, Kate, if you're listening. <laughs> I She's, could see doing yeah, that, for sure. Because there are, like you said, a lot of beautiful editions. Yeah. All right, next up for me is another Booktopia author. It's The Mirror Thief by Martin C. Also came out in 2016. This book got a ton of hype uh, before it came out. It's a historical fiction slash mystery thriller. Kind of. It's a book about a book. Venice is involved. It's, it's three time periods and three different Venices. It is Venice, the town. There is Venice Beach, California. And then there's, I think, the Venetian in Las Vegas. Through uh, time uh, yeah. with different characters, but it, it, it's all about this one book. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's also his first book. He's a Chicago guy, too, so that was kind of cool. And his Booktopia event was his very first author appearance. Because the book came out, I think it came out a week after Booktopia, but they let Booktopians have an exception to buy it earlier. Oh, a so sneak, he was there, yeah, a little sneak. So that's cool. it's a big, thick book, and one of my favorite marine fictional characters of all time is in that book. So, um, hoorah, Marine yeah. Corps. <laughs> so again, that's The Mirror's Thief by Martin C., excellent.
1: My uh, book number six is a book that I came across when I went to the Newburyport Festival in Newburyport, Massachusetts. For the life of me, I cannot remember what month that was. I, I think it was in the summer. I want to say maybe August. Um, the book is called Dirty Love. It's by Andre the III of um, the author of House of Sand and Fog, if you've ever heard of that book, and the book Townie. Both of those have been made into movies. This is a book of essays. They're all about love and infidelity. When I closed that book, I thought this is one of the most well-written books I've ever read. Hmm. Oh. Just really well-written. He also is a very handsome chap, I always joke when you go to these literary festivals or book events like Booktopia, there's always, you know, the obligatory (laughs) handsome man in a blazer and cowboy boots. And he played that role very well. Newburyport is his hometown, so he carries himself very proudly when he's there. I had a moment a total fangirl moment when I was walking down the street. It's a it's a very cool small town and I was walking down the street in between events because they had events kind of um sprinkled all over the town at various churches and places like that and there I was walking from one event to the next and I opened my eyes to discover that I was walking behind him, <laughs> Andre Deboose the 3rd. Strolling along with Elizabeth Strout oh, nice. of, you know, Olive Kittredge <laughs> fame. And I just was like, oh my God, I'm walking right behind them and they're talking about the event that I'm heading to, which they are going to be, you know, the key players at this event so they're talking about what they're going to talk about so wow. I was completely <laughs> eavesdropping and then they stop in the middle of the street because they met someone they knew and then I had to figure out what to do like do I stop and pretend like I'm window shopping or do I you know completely get found out that I'm eavesdropping and I decided to you know be couth and keep walking to the event so anyway Dirty Love, Andre de the third, beautiful book of essays
0: well authors are our rock stars they are yes, they indeed our rock stars for sure <laughs> all right, next up for me is another book that came out in 2016 Black Deutschland is the title and it's by Daryl Pinckney he's written several other books this is the first one of his that I've read it's about Jed, a young black guy who's originally from Chicago and he's just out of rehab and moves to Berlin of all places and it's in it takes place in the 80s and as a young gay man He's he's nostalgic about the Weimar Berlin of Christopher Isherwood, and that's what attracts him to the city, I should say. And he it's one of those novels. It's it's very much about identity and place. It bounces back a little bit between Berlin and Chicago, between 1980s and uh, Jed, the the character's younger years of his family in Chicago, who are all very much involved in, well, I shouldn't say all, some of the older people in his family are involved in uh, black newspaper publishing and civil rights and others are not, and they're very much looked down on because it's a family of very high expectations. And Judd is on the failing side of that mm. as an addict and as somebody who is really not latching on to something to do really it's very much a book about race and jed is trying to escape black america and all the problems in black america that young african-american men face and he doesn't face that in berlin there's different things going on in berlin and there's also the aids epidemic happening as well, so, so that's, that's the a 90s, big part of it. Right? Yeah, eighties, eighties, nineties. Yeah, eighties, yeah. okay. nineties, and it the the very well, I shouldn't say anything more. Okay, I won't say anything about no spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's it's a it's kind of an academic book. It's a very smart book. I got some of the, some of the illusions, some of the nods to different literary movements, architectural movements, people, places, and I'm sure most of them just went whooshing right over my head, but I very much enjoyed the book. I really enjoyed Jed as a character. So, again, that's Black Deutschland by Daryl Pinckney.
1: Excellent. My number seven is a little bit um, of a different uh, kind of a pick in that it's a cookbook. Um, my son Jacob took a class. Um, he just graduated from college last June, and he had... His school has a little January term where they take one class that focuses on something. And he took a class where they did a lot of cooking. Mm -hmm. And I was slightly bitter just about that in general. But then (laughs) I was particularly bitter when one of the books he had to order for class was the book called Jerusalem, a cookbook, which is by Yodam Adalengi and Sammy Tamimi. And this is a very interesting um, group of men. One of them is a Jewish man, and one of them is a Palestinian man, and they have put out several cookbooks, which I'll talk about when we get to the next segment. And um, when I got to campus in June to help Jacob pack up his room, unbeknownst to me, he had Gotten a copy of the cookbook from one of his classmates that didn't want to keep it and handed it to me. And it really made my day and has made the rest of my year because it's a book that I cook from, but also I just really enjoy looking at. It's beautiful. The pictures are fantastic. The recipes are really top notch, um, healthy. They eat a lot of salads and um, vegetables in Jerusalem and I should say in Israel in general. Mm And actually in the Middle East. And so
0: um, it's a book I've really enjoyed and never thought that I would own. So it's exciting. Cool. So next book on my list is a book that was published in 1939, an Agatha Christie novel, And Then There Were None. Oh, I've I finally that, read that. Book. Yeah. Yes. I yes. really enjoyed it. It was, it was a book I read from book group that I used to be in. And I haven't read a ton of Agatha Christie. I've enjoyed every book that I've read by her so far. I have it in my head one day I'll systematically read all of her novels, both of the uh, series that she has who knows about that but and then there were none it's a classic it's not just a locked room mystery it's an island mystery a group of people are invited to this island that adds a whole other layer yeah yeah it really does and the bbc just put out a new adaptation of it earlier this year that i i want to see i i haven't been able to watch it yet but it just looks yummy you know Mm -hmm. the cinematography just looks so rich and And it's they I think they do it in period late thirties, early forties dress and and whatnot, I think from some of the clips I saw, so great read, don't discount it because it's an old book. It stands up to time, I think enjoyed it very much, so that's and then there were none by Agatha Christie. My next book is Our Souls
1: at Night by Kent Hariff um I believe he's the author of the book Plain Song, which has mm-hmm. been on my t b r for years. This is a book that um, quite a few people talked about. It's a very small book. It's not thick. I mean, I want to say it's 150 pages. I'm not sure. And um, it's about a couple who are both widows who start up a relationship where they're just sleeping together at night. Mm -hmm. Just sleeping. So it's a book about companionship. Of course, things get a little complicated, as all relationships do. What I really loved about this book was the story, but also the writing. It's very um, beautifully written and very special fair writing, which is my favorite kind of writing personally. So I highly recommend it. Um, just lovely. I think I read it in the wintertime. It's kind of a nice wintertime read, a quiet book. Again, Our Souls at Night by Kent Haruf.
0: Next on my list is The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith. It was originally published in 1952 under the name, the pen name Claire Morgan because Patricia Highsmith didn't want to risk blacklisting herself or worse because this is a lesbian romance novel. And 1952 being a lesbian was certainly not a good thing. So she took a pen name. It's recently been made into a movie called Carol that came out in 2015. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I love this book. I haven't read other things by Highsmith either, but I definitely will now. And she's known for great crime writing, and and you can see some of that suspenseful tension in some of the scenes of this book. It's about a young girl in New York who wants to be a, a set designer on Broadway and her struggle with that. She has a temp job at a department store for the holidays and sees Carol, who is a rich, married woman who's sexy, and they make eye contact, and the rest is history. Carol's getting a divorce, and they end up on a road trip. I won't say anything more. I think the movie kind of gives that away, that they're on a road trip at some point. I think it captures the time period. It captures a lot of the risks you take in being in a lesbian relationship. In the 50s and the 80s, I think even now today, there are certain industries that people are in where I'm sure you still have to be in the closet mm-hmm. or pretend make up stories so I love the writing and I I like the time period and I do plan on watching the movie mail because I've heard good things about how it represents the time period so well.
1: I was going to ask you if you yeah. haven't seen it because you're concerned about seeing it since you liked the book so much. Or, you know, yeah. kind
0: of a little bit. Usually yeah. I don't, usually I look forward to an adaptation because I like to see how people transition a story from one format to another. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, necessarily a purist anymore. I used to think like you have to follow it exactly. You have to follow the book exactly to make a movie. But I, I think I understand a bit more now that it's a different artistic medium and you tell stories differently on, on both of these mediums. I don't think it's that that's holding me back. I think it's the lesbian content, which is very hard for me to watch sometimes. It's hard for me to read sometimes, and it's it's hard to watch movies sometimes when there are just scenes of anguish and mm. devastation, yeah. which is quite yeah. common in yeah. in lives of quote others. Yes. So the price of salt, Patricia Highsmith excellent read.
1: my next book is called ordinary grace by william kent krueger i believe it won an edgar award is that the right the edgar yeah. yeah the edgar mm-hmm. award um it's he has a series as well but this is just a standalone book it was a really nice story not the story's not necessarily nice but it's a nice representation of small town living which mm-hmm. i'm very familiar with <laughs> i did it a lot of years of my life um there's always a cast of characters involved in small towns and um It also, again, we seem to have this theme, has some race relation issues in it. There are several um, deaths that take place over the course of a summer, and the story um, talks about those. It's told from the point of view of one of the uh, younger boys, Mm -hmm. so it's always interesting to me when a story is told from the point of view of a child. It's very, very well written. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I um, I think you will too.
0: Good. I read that one as well. I really oh, right. enjoyed you, it. You yeah, you did read it. Yeah. yeah, my book group read that one. And yeah, really, it was a surprise. I he'd been on my list of on, an author to get to for a mm-hmm. long time and I enjoyed that novel very much and, yeah. didn't, and didn't see certain things coming yes. at all Yes, I there like. were definitely some
1: surprises in it and um, it piqued my curiosity about his series mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to look back at it and um, learn more about what that was and I'm not yeah. sure if I'll read one but mm-hmm.
0: maybe because I enjoyed his writing a lot Yeah, yeah, what a good writer all right, you're not the only one who is taking advantage of the list of 10 um, stretching it a little bit. The, the next the next book on my list is actually a trilogy. Oh, there you go. It's the Bill the Hodges Rebel. <laughs> the Bill Hodges trilogy by Stephen King. I'm including in all of the books in here. It's it's three novels. Mr. Mercedes that came out in 2014, Finders Keepers 2015, and then End of Watch just came out in 2016. I read all of them this year. I haven't read anything new by Stephen King in a long time and he he's the the writer who got me through high school. Like I read him voraciously through high school. I know one time my algebra teacher called the house to complain that I was reading novels while he was trying to <laughs> lecture about algebra. My parents said they'd work on it, but um you were just multitasking. <laughs> <I know>. Stephen <laughs> King over algebra any day. So a great trilogy. You know, he just sucks you right into his stories. The characters are always wonderful. Even the, the bad ones are good. Yeah. Uh, so I highly recommend, if you haven't picked up anything new by Stephen King in a while, the Bill Hodges trilogy is a really good one. And it's mystery. It's more mystery than horror. Okay. I should add that, since okay. I think a lot of people equate him with horror. But uh, these are more mystery thriller-type
1: novels. Excellent. Well, my next book is called The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Um, Ironically, this was the first book that I read in 2016. Um, And Shonda Rhimes, for those of you who don't know, she's the writer behind some really well known TV series, um, Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, Something About Murder, which I can't remember starring Viola Davis. And so as you might imagine, she's a good writer. And this is a memoir where she talks about, um, it was the holidays, and I think it was her sister that was teasing her about the fact that um, she never said yes to anything, and she really didn't have fun. She was always working. She's a single mom of, I think, four kids, three or four kids or something like that. And so and she, she kind of lost sight of her personal life. Her, her um, work life was going well. She, obviously, she has tremendous success. So she decided she would devote the year to saying yes to everything that came across. Or came her way. And um, when Shonda Rhimes says yes, it's to things like, you know, going on the Oprah Winfrey show or having dinner with the Obamas. It's a little different than if you or I say yes to something. (laughs) But um, I liked the the book. For me, um, it mirrored my own life in that when I moved to Connecticut in June of 2015, I knew that one of the challenges for me was going to be making friends. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm an introvert. I work for myself. So I get up in the morning and move from my bedroom to my living room. There's no need for me to leave my house. And so I too had devoted myself to a year of saying yes to things. Um, and it, it's a fun book to read. I I did read the print copy. A couple of my friends have said that they listened to the audiobook and that it was very well done. I think she reads it um, herself. So uh, Year of Yes, Shonda Rhymes. Cool. Now, has it been hard to say yes? It It is hard to say yes for me because partly I think being an avid reader, I always want to stay home and read, <laughs> right. right? I mean, yeah. there's always that pull. And, um, and sometimes I just, you know, I'm very satisfied with doing things on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it has been, but I've been pleasantly surprised that... Um, I can't remember that there was a single night where I said yes to doing something where I wasn't glad that I did. And I've met a lot of great people, Mm -hmm. uh, definitely a lot of great people by doing it. So you can't meet new people if you sit in your house. That's true. That's my motto.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my last book on the list, Uh, last but not least, is A Great Reckoning by Louise Penny. Her latest entry in her Chief Inspector Gamache series, another great book. Um, I love Louise Penny. She has a way of writing about the horrors of life and the hardships of life that leave you feeling like that's acknowledged, but there's still so much beauty in the world as well. Beauty and connection uh so her novels because sometimes reading a lot of mystery novels you can really get bogged down in the death and the murder and the horror and the terror and the fright uh she's just such a breath of fresh air and i know a lot of people have discovered her and are continuing to discover her and i think it just speaks to the the compassion that she has within her novels they're just so good can't say enough about them they're each not well what i like about her books is the the care arc overall It's just really developed wonderfully. It's so intricate, but it doesn't seem that way. It seems like a natural unfolding when you're reading it. But when it relates to something from X amount of books ago, it just it's kind of jaw dropping sometimes. Yeah, I've heard really good things about it. I really have. Yeah. yeah. She's a wonderful person. Excellent. I've seen her a couple times at events, and she always does a great event as well. So I encourage you to go see her at an event, too, if she comes to your town. And she's also on Facebook. You can follow yeah. her on Facebook. She posts quite a bit, I yeah. think. Yeah. She posts a lot on Facebook. And I know when she first started on Facebook, she was a little unsure about what you know how to approach it, but she certainly found... Her stride with that. And she also does a really nice monthly newsletter. First day of every month, one thing that I can plan on is Louise Penny's newsletter landing mm-hmm. in my inbox oh so it's an email newsletter. email newsletter okay. yeah she's Excellent. she does a great job with that as well
1: our top 10 reads of 2016 Woo-hoo! <laughs> and the exciting thing for me is you know first of all 2016 is not over so we still have a few weeks that where we can get some more in and then we have
0: 2017 where we start, mm-hmm. all, over start all over again all yeah. over again i love it yeah i have to say one thing i'm surprised about with my list of 10 is that i only had one nonfiction on the list where everything else is novels because I I tend to read a lot of nonfiction. And I had quite a bit of nonfiction for me this year. I did read quite a bit.
1: So, but but mine was pretty mixed actually. Yeah. Now that I'm looking it back over. Yeah,
0: it was a great reading year. I, I've just it's been one of my best reading years. Coming up next, we have some gift ideas, some holiday gift ideas for book lovers and literary folk. Would you like to start? Indeed we do. And
1: this is kind of ironic because Chris and I don't talk about what we're going to talk about (laughs) until we're talking about it. Here we go. And I um, was really interested this summer. I think I already mentioned this in the first episode that we have a great independent bookstore in the town next to us called RJ Julia's Booksellers. And a lot of the summer they had a really cool display Of books that are the first book in a series. And I was quite surprised at some of them. I knew the books, but I didn't really realize that they were books in a series. And so my first choice for holiday gift giving this year is actually the Louise Penny series. Um, The first book in the series is called Still Life. I actually was at an event at RJ's last year in 2015 and won one of her books. So it was whatever book came out in 2015. And um, was told I could, absolutely could not read it until I started at the very beginning of the series, which I have been intending to do. And I actually have the first one on hold. There's always a long list of holds on all of the books. Mm -hmm. So I haven't gotten it yet. Maybe I will get it by the end of the year or early 2017. But I think um, starting someone out in this series or really any series that you've enjoyed is kind of the gift that keeps on giving because Mm -hmm. if they enjoy the first book, then they know that there's more that they can um, read in the future with those characters by that author. So Louise Penny, Still Life, it's the first in the series of the Inspector, how do you say it? Gam- Gamache. G- Gamache yeah. series. And it
0: takes place in Quebec, Canada. Okay. Great Excellent. series, yeah. And the still life, a lot of people have a hard time getting into still life, we That's should what say. I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Um, it took me three time, three efforts to, to get into it. And it was recommended to me by my friend Missy, who has never steered, steered me wrong with a book recommendation. And uh, other friends started getting into Louise Penny and kept telling me I had to read her. And then customers would come into the bookstore and say, oh, my God, you haven't read her yet. You need to start. So I did. I I stuck with Still Life and made it through and then read the second book, the third book. And then by the fourth book, I was just on fire. I went through the books like a wood chipper, (laughs) couldn't get them fast enough. I I read them hardcover, downloaded on my e-reader. However, I could get the next book is how I read it and just fell in love.
1: It's kind of cool also to enter a series that has so many books already done, because when you fall in love with it, there's a ways to go. I think back on, you know, um, my daughter Rachel was the age of harry potter as those books were coming out so Mm -hmm. she kind of grew up with harry potter and is a huge fan but the wait, you know for each of those books to come out was just excruciating and now i think about the kids you know who are starting to read those books today where they just get to go and have thousands of pages of harry potter without any waiting it's such a different experience absolutely it is yeah
0: yeah. it is and and to read i think i read the first seven or eight really quickly like that and then now i have to wait each year but it's it's a book that i always buy new mm-hmm. yeah, i make a day put it on my calendar and i will enjoy and i tried to see her too i tried to see her events you saw her so, this year didn't yeah. you i did actually it came about quite perfectly she was in uh, illinois And we were going back. It was during vacation. We'd come back from Maine, did some laundry, hopped in the car, and drove to Illinois to pick my mom up to go out to Nebraska because I wanted to take my mom and Laura to visit Willa Cather's home in Red Cloud, Nebraska. So we had just a day or two in Illinois, and it happened to be that night that Louise Penny was in town in Naperville. And that was an event sponsored through Anderson's Bookstore, which is another big, great, independent bookstore that's a powerhouse event space they have her events louise penny's events and other big authors in local churches or halls so they can co- accommodate a lot of people excellent so, so yeah the it was perfect just yeah out. yeah i think i great. i don't know i think she was there monday and monday or tuesday and we got in like the day before so it was perfect i got to hook up with some other friends who are louise penny fans and okay. had a good evening nice yeah. nice so what's your first? Holiday oh, my first pick thing. Okay, so my first holiday idea are literary magazine subscriptions, and I have three of them in mind. They're all magazines I've subscribed to at uh, one time or another. The first is a great general literary magazine. It's called Bookmarks, and they take new releases and they conglomerate. Is that the right word? They pull conglomerate, conglomerate uh, reviews of from all the major sources and kind of give you a nice overview of the book's reception and what the major outlets are saying about the book, which is really kind of handy and and interesting. And they categorize releases by genre which is nice too and then in each episode they have in each episode in each issue (laughs) they have a look at an author and that author's works they give you a nice introduction to the major themes of that that author explores a list of the books what each novel or, or book is about and then they give you recommendations on what books to start with for that person which can be very helpful when you're you know, approaching a really prolific, prolific author. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's very a handy. great idea. I love that idea. Yeah, that's a really good subscription. And that one comes out every other month. Okay. World Literature Today is another really good magazine. That is a great one for somebody who likes, obviously, to read literature from around the world. And it's a great way to find out about new authors that may be not on mainstream social media here in the United States. And they, they do a good job of covering literary writing. It's probably geared more towards literary writers than genre writers. But I know they have had some articles on like German mystery writers and, and other genre type categories. And then the last magazine is Mystery Scene Magazine, which is a great magazine for the mystery buff. They cover all the uh, new releases, books. They also talk about TV shows and movies. And they sometimes have gifts for mystery buffs, I believe. I've seen oh, that. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a neat magazine. And then they have profiles of various authors. So that's a good one as well. Those are great ideas, Chris. I would have never thought
1: of that really, really interesting. My next recommendation is a fiction combo. I, I reckon or I talked about one of the books as in being in my top 10, it's the author Magda Zabo, the Hungarian author, it, um, her book The Door and then also the one that was just recently republished called Isa's Ballad. I'm not sure how to pronounce that it's IZA Apostrophe S. I think this would be a nice, really nice combo purchase to tie up with a ribbon and give to somebody who's mm-hmm. a literary reader who you might be worried about, has read everything. Incredible writing, as I mentioned in the prior segment, and um, I think it would really knock knock someone's head off. Is that what she said? Took the top of her head off?
0: <laughs> yeah, Emily Dickinson. Yeah. Magda Zabo, The Door, and Isa's Ballad. Uh, next up, I thought, for, and this might be more appropriate for people who – are fans of authors who are no longer with us, who have organizations based around them. Uh, But get your favorite book person, a membership, to a favorite author's organization. Uh, For example, I'm a member of the Willa Cather Foundation, the Mark Twain House and Museum, and then the Harriet Beecher Stowe House and Museum. And it's really great because you stay informed about what's going on with that author, with their scholarship popular things going on with them and it's also it's supporting the cause of keeping that author's reputation out there and their writings right available for people so you know google if you have a loved one who has a favorite author do a quick search and see what you can find and offer them a membership i think that'd be kind of a fun thing and also you know i've gotten to be the
1: beneficiary of your membership to the mark twain house because they do these um, living tours yeah
0: living history living tours, history yeah.
1: tours, and we they invited members to come to one where they were you know kind of they have to practice mm-hmm. and become fluent at the tour and um, I was a little yeah. nervous about it because, <laughs> as you guys have noticed, we like to giggle, <laughs> and I was afraid, depending on the quality of the tour, I might get the giggles with Chris, but it was actually really well done. Mm-hmm. The house is fantastically beautiful the stories it's interesting to hear the stories that they tell from the mm-hmm. perspective. In this case, the woman was the maid, the maid for Katie. the family, yeah. and um, it was a really interesting perspective. So that's another cool thing about giving a gift like this: is it also alerts people to events and things that are taking place mm-hmm. at the um, orga- with the organization with the organization, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, and you usually get a newsletter or a magazine that's a, that the organization puts out. Right. Sometimes discounts to their gift store. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of fun. And they always have fantastic gift stores. Too, they, I yeah, have to say. absolutely. Yeah, the marketing yeah. house gift store is pretty yeah. amazing and there is the spring a new museum opening american authors museum I, oh. I should know the title of it exactly it's in chicago i know this has been a long time in the making it's been several years where they were at first looking where to place it chicago won out um and that's opening this spring sometime oh, wow! Road so trip. yeah it's yeah dedicated <laughs> to american writers and who who you know like well, I said, other countries have a museum dedicated to their riders, right. and that's not something we had here in the u s yeah. so oh, looking, very cool for that, yeah, yeah, definite road trip, yeah,
1: nice. My next uh, holiday recommendation, of course, I have to have some cookbooks, because I love (laughs) um, getting and giving cookbooks. So I talked about the book Jerusalem in my top 10. Those um, cookbook authors, they own restaurants, first of all, and they have now a series of four cookbooks. One of them is called Atalenghi, one is Jerusalem, one is called Plenty, and then the fourth is called Plenty More. They're absolutely beautiful cookbooks. The pictures are beautiful. The covers are really unusual. They're soft to the touch, mm. um, and the recipes are fantastic. They they, as I mentioned, tend to be on the healthier side. Lots of vegetables. Um, I I can't recommend it highly enough. I think people would love it. The other cookbook I have on the list is Mark Bittman's How to Cook Everything. This is a cookbook that's actually been around for a while, I think. But if you have um, people who, like I do, my kids are 25 and 22, just kind of starting out in their first kitchens, this would be a great cookbook to give. It's really, truly about how to cook everything. And Mark Bittman is... He's just a, he's a great food writer, and his recipes are really solid. You mm-hmm. can't go wrong with them.
0: Yeah, I remember working at the bookstore. We couldn't keep his stuff in stock, especially yeah. around the holidays. Very popular. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are my cookbook recommendations. All right, and last on my list, this is not a, necessarily a bookish thing, but it's something that helps produce books. I recommend that you might consider buying somebody a fountain pen or buying yourself a fountain pen. Uh, Next to books, my second biggest passion in life is fountain pens. I love them. I've been using fountain pens. Well, my mom had a fountain pen when I was a kid. I remember playing with that. So I guess I could almost say I've been playing with them my whole life. But I have two suggestions on nice quality entry-level fountain pens because you could go and spend thousands of dollars on one fountain pen if you so wanted to. But there is a company called Pilot. Pilot. And they put out a pen called the Metropolitan, which is usually under $20. And it's a nice quality pen. There's also a company called Lamy. They're a German company. And their Safari pen is a nice entry-level pen that's usually under $30. And you can buy that in fine nib or medium, bold nib. That's another consideration, too. Um... Probably start with a medium nib if you're just starting out with fountain pens. You can also go to any office supply store and they'll probably have a cheap starter kit of fountain pens. Schaefer is a popular brand. Uh, The only thing with cheaper fountain pens is the nib quality may not be that great. And if you find yourself in a situation where you just spent a couple bucks on a fountain pen and it's not comfortable to write with, try different types of paper would be my mm-hmm. suggestion because sometimes if the paper's too coarse the nib won't flow as well anyway i could go on and on I'll helpful stop. hints from yes. chris <laughs> uh, but one company uh, you could check out and i think it was ann kingman who told me about goulet pens um dot com, and we'll put them in the show notes so you could visit them if you like They have uh, good prices on pens. They carry a lot of the popular pens and great ink. And they also have a very helpful YouTube channel that you could watch. They have great things for people who are new to fountain pens as well as more advanced fountain pen care. Excellent. Yeah.
1: I have two more holiday picks to talk about. One is a YA novel. Um, I'm always kind of looking out for YA novels. My daughter Rachel is a social worker in Colorado. She works for the um, Denver Public Schools. And she works at a middle school, which is the YA novel age group. And so every once in a while, she'll say, Hey, Mom, what's up with the, you know, young adult novels? What's new? And honestly, I'm a little bit out of touch now that I, too, don't have children that age. But um, I came across this book called The Thing About Jellyfish by Allie Benjamin. It was a National Book Award finalist for grades four through seven. It's a story of loss. Um, I think there's a death of some kind. And this young woman is trying to understand death and the universe, the simple things in life. So um, if you're looking for it, has a, it also has kind of a beautiful cover. I think it would make a nice gift for that reason. Um, so I recommend The Thing About Jellyfish by Allie Benjamin. And then I, too, love my office supplies. <laughs> I have a great love of office supplies, and I'm never sad if I run out of something and have to make a trip to the office supply exactly, store. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but when I was um, at Petoskey, I'm sorry, Booktopia, Asheville I was down at the Malaprops um, bookstore which is a lovely independent bookstore down there and they had um, these really cool they're kind of like file folders but they have an elastic band around them so I think they call them actually wallets you know Mm -hmm. like um, uh, letter size wallets and they come in very cool colors and the brand is called Semicolon which is a German company spelled S-E-M-I-K-O-L-O-N And I love them. They're very colorful. When you go to the typical office supply store, these wallet folders are usually brown, Brown, you know, and I use them to store all of my client work and I have different clients. So the other thing I love about them is I can just get to the point where I look at a color and I know which client it is and I can grab it off my shelf. Mm -hmm. Um, They have lots of other sorts of things like, um, you know, desk accessories and things like that. Unfortunately, other than Malaprops, the only place I've ever been able to find them is the devil that begins with a capital A (laughs) where you order online. But um, you can just go out on the web and search Semicolon has a website and you can see what they have to offer and then maybe you can talk to your local independent bookstore or give Malaprops a call and see what they have um, for sale. Mm-hmm. Semicolon office supplies.
0: Very cool. I want to check them out. I love office supplies. Yeah. They're really good quality. The paper is really good. Mm-hmm. Colors are beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Next to a bookstore, an office supply store is a favorite place to be. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Or an independent bookstore with fantastic office supplies. Yeah.
1: That's a that's, lovely treat. That's a great combination. Yeah. Yeah. yeah indeed. Well, happy shopping, everybody. And reminder to support your local independent bookstore. A lot of them, I know R.J. Julia, I believe, is still doing their 99-cent shipping deal. I think they implemented that last year, and I don't think it ever went away. McLean and Eakin and Petoskey, another (laughs) one of my favorites, they do 99-cent shipping. Um, They have fantastic sidelines and wonderful um, online shopping options, so happy shopping. Happy shopping everyone. Happy holidays. Yeah and thank you for tuning in to episode two of the Book Cougars. Yeah and
0: if you have any comments or suggestions for us please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com and we are are also on Twitter at bookcougars and we now have a Facebook page. You can just find us on Facebook also at bookcougars. Please follow us. Let your friends know. Thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Bye.
1: What right. right.